0: Join us now for Health for Life, brought to you by Hamilton Healthcare System. Welcome to Health for Life. Today we're talking with Dr. Angel Brown of Hamilton Physician Group Specialty Care in Dalton. It's great seeing you again, Dr. Brown.
1: It's great seeing you as well. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm glad you came back to see us. Dr. Brown is a pulmonologist at Hamilton Physician Group, located at 1243 Broadrick Drive in Dalton. Dr. Brown completed her fellowship training at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. As part of Hamilton Physician Group Specialty Care, Dr. Brown provides treatment for respiratory diseases, including asthma, bronchitis, COPD, occupational lung diseases, lung cancer, and pulmonary fibrosis. Now you've been on our show several times, but we've never talked about pulmonary fibrosis. Let's do that today. What exactly is pulmonary fibrosis?
1: Well, pulmonary fibrosis is what we call an umbrella term. It refers to a group of diseases that affect the lung parenchyma, or the oxygen functional part of the lung, there is a specific type of pulmonary fibrosis called idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, referred to as IPF for short. It's a very serious, progressive, life-altering pulmonary disease. Pulmonary, meaning of the lungs, and fibrosis, meaning scarring or thickening, kind of tells you what the disease has in store for the patient. Essentially, if you have idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, or IPF, It's a disease that is not easy to diagnose, and you should be under the care of a pulmonologist. When it comes to IPF, patients may have heard of it, may have not. It's considered a very rare pulmonary disease, and it's something that sometimes your primary care provider might suspect that you have, and it's something that sometimes a patient might suspect that they have based on chronic coughs or shortness of breath that gets progressively worse over months to years to decades.
0: I see but it it is rare you say?
1: It's very rare. So when you think of pulmonary diseases, asthma, COPD, these are some of the bread and butter very common, but pulmonary fibrosis or fibrotic type lung diseases only affect a small segment of the population that have pulmonary disease. Less than 30% of people who have breathing or lung problems would have a fibrotic or pulmonary fibrosis. When you get to idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, the number gets even lower and it's considered extremely rare, which makes it more difficult to identify and more difficult to diagnose. And a lot of times patients will be told they have pulmonary fibrosis. And then when they see a pulmonologist like myself, I'll ask what kind, and they're not aware that there are hundreds of kinds of pulmonary fibrosis. And idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis is one of many, but it has the worst prognosis. And it's one that we do tend to focus on. Other diseases that can cause scarring of the lung include something called sarcoidosis, which in itself is rare as well, with no Known cause. Certain autoimmune disorders, people who have rheumatoid lung disease or rheumatoid arthritis can have a fibrotic lung disease. Individuals that have lupus. Or other autoimmune diseases can have pulmonary fibrosis as well. And due to the nature of the disease, idiopathic meaning we don't know what causes it exactly, um, it's something you see in older individuals. So it's rare to see IPF in individuals who are less than 60 years old. So people who are 60 or less diagnosed with a fibrotic lung disease or pulmonary fibrosis, do require a very extensive workup to determine the cause of their lung scarring. And that undertaking should be with a subspecialist like a pulmonologist.
0: Now, what causes pulmonary fibrosis? Do we know what the cause is?
1: So when it comes to pulmonary fibrosis, as I mentioned, the term is an umbrella So what you have to do is first determine which type of pulmonary fibrosis the patient has. And
0: you say there's hundreds.
1: So there are hundreds of causes for pulmonary fibrosis. Being in Georgia and Dalton, there's something called farmer's lung, which causes a type of pulmonary fibrosis. And the subtype is called hypersensitivity pneumonitis. And there are tests to diagnose that. For that type of pulmonary fibrosis, we usually can identify a cause for autoimmune or connective tissue related pulmonary fibrosis we do blood testing to see if someone has a disease that predisposes them to that form of pulmonary fibrosis for those with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis it is considered a diagnosis of exclusion meaning you've ruled everything out you've tested for everything and you don't have an answer as to why the person has fibrosis in which case we diagnose it based on CT imaging, CAT scans, high resolution, lung biopsies. A good patient history is kind of the foundation for getting to the diagnosis. And then at the end of the day, sometimes you've reviewed everything and you can't pinpoint a cause, but there are risk factors that predispose individuals to having idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis.
0: You say there are risk factors. What are some of the risk factors associated with pulmonary fibrosis?
1: So unfortunately, one of the risk factors is uh, being advanced in age. Lungs are a brilliant and beautiful organ. They have the ability to regenerate when they're damaged, and lungs can be damaged just by air pollution. But they can also be damaged by tobacco, cigarette smoking, occupational exposures, acid. um, If you have an issue with something called GERD or esophageal reflux, where acid goes up your esophagus and spills into your lung. It can cause scarring and accelerate fibrosis. So we know that there are certain things and behaviors that we can help our patients through to lower their risk factors, but we do know there are some risk factors. There is a form of familial or genetic IPF And those individuals, they will have lung scarring that starts in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. If you see someone that has pulmonary fibrosis of an unknown type at a young age, you really need to start looking at family trees and see if there's parents, grandparents, other siblings that have lung scarring or fibrosis. And familial types can be tested for. Usually you do uh, blood testing to see if there's a genetic alteration in chromosomes that are causing their lungs to become scarred and fibrosed early in life, but that is even more rare than the idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. So when it comes to causes, it really does take a science detective, usually pulmonologists working with radiologists and your primary care doctor to really get to the root of what could have caused your pulmonary fibrosis. It's a very, for this diagnosis, because it changes people's lifestyles. The prognosis can mean early death. It's a team-based approach, so it's not usually one provider that tells you you definitely have this. It's usually a team of providers working together to determine what may have caused your pulmonary fibrosis.
0: You know, that's a lot of great information. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the signs and symptoms of pulmonary fibrosis. We'll be right back on Health for Life.
2: Join us on a journey to better health health for life. Simply put, that is why Hamilton Medical Center is here. From primary care and specialty care practices near you, an accredited chest pain center, a certified joint replacement program, a new children's institute, cancer institute, endoscopy center, and more. Hamilton is here for you and your family. Learn more at hamiltonhealth.com. Hamilton Health Care System, health for life.
0: Welcome back to Health for Life today talking with Dr. Brown and what are some of the signs and symptoms of pulmonary fibrosis?
1: When it comes to signs and symptoms, symptoms are things that the patient is experiencing themselves. Signs are things that usually your provider will notice when you come into the office for a visit. So some of the symptoms are shortness of breath and individuals who are relatively healthy at baseline may not notice that they've become short of breath until it's been going on for months to years. Mm -hmm. But essentially, I'll usually ask, um, can you walk from here to the waiting room? Do you get short of breath? No. No what about one flight of stairs? Maybe. What about two flights? Definitely. A year ago, could you do those tasks without shortness of breath? And that kind of clues the person into, I could. I thought it was aging. And a lot of shortness of breath that progresses is not associated with aging. So it doesn't matter the age of the person. I try and get them to kind of quantify if we can nail down a time frame. Um, If you've gotten short of breath over the past 30 years, okay, aging could play a role, but if you've gotten progressively short of breath over a year or two, we really should make sure there's nothing going on with your lungs. Another symptom and one that really seems to be very troublesome for patients is a hacking dry cough.
0: Dry cough.
1: Dry cough. Sometimes you feel like you have something stuck in your throat. You cough, it moves, and the cough goes away. When it comes to fibrosis, the cough is not there's no relief from the cough. It comes on suddenly, sporadically. It can be fits of coughing. It prevents people from being able to go to church or take trips, go out in public, because it's assumed that their cough is related to something infectious when it really is their lungs reaction to the scarring process. But it's a dry, hacking, persistent cough that is not really well relieved by typical medications or water or things that we use to get rid of a cough. Right,
0: and you're not coughing up anything.
1: Nope, you're not bringing up any phlegm or mucus. It's just, it feels as though there's an irritation in your chest or throat that you can't get rid of, and you just cough uncontrollably.
0: Wow, you know, when I have a cough and I have something in, you know, and I'm trying to get it up, that's one thing, but a dry cough that is just persistent all the time, you definitely need to go to a pulmonologist.
1: Absolutely. I would say the first thing to do if you notice progressive or worsening shortness of breath, if you notice a dry hacking cough, a decrease in your energy, you're losing weight, call your primary care provider because that's the person that should be the center of your medical universe. They can help possibly pinpoint some of the symptoms down and refer you to a pulmonologist. But Don't ignore the signs and symptoms is the main takeaway.
0: Now, we've been talking about this for a good while here already. Uh, What should listeners do if they think that maybe they do have pulmonary fibrosis?
1: Okay, I will first tell you the number one thing not to do. Do not Google pulmonary fibrosis. You will come up with some of the scariest and worst case scenarios, and it may not pertain to you remotely. I would say if you feel as though you have some issue that may be concerning for fibrotic lung disease or pulmonary fibrosis or IPF, please call your medical provider so that you can be evaluated in office. Because again, they could pick up on some signs that may be consistent with pulmonary fibrosis, or they may pick up on some signs that are consistent with other disease pathology altogether.
0: Now, what are some of these signs they're looking for?
1: So I would say, first off, Oxygen saturation. Whenever you go to see your doctor or nurse practitioner, they usually check your vital signs, your blood pressure, your heart rate, and they put a little
0: thing on your finger. They
1: put a little thing on your finger. Yeah, it's, the, called, it's called the pulse oximeter. It's a
0: little uh, like a little clothespin. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) And
1: and so for the most part, its job is to pick up on your pulse and it should correlate with the pulse that your doctor's measuring. What it is doing, it is trying to make a calculation of the oxygen that's running in your arteries at the time it's on your hand. Essentially for anyone who's in a steady, healthy state, that number should be 88% or higher without any assistance from oxygen. If your doctor is noticing that when you're sitting still, your number is between 88 and 90, I usually will tell them to have the patient get up and down a couple times and make sure the number doesn't drop below 88. If it is dropping below 88, we call that hypoxia and that could be a sign of pulmonary fibrosis or IPF. That, to me, should be an immediate referral to a pulmonologist. Other signs that your doctor or nurse practitioner might notice would be something called clubbing. And it's a change in your fingernails where instead of being nice and flat, They are more bulbous or rounded. Clubbing is not a natural finding. Sometimes you will meet families where it runs in the family, but typically if there's been changes in your nails over time, that could be due to low oxygen saturation and changes in the vessels that are supplying those nails, and that's something that your provider may notice that you may not.
0: I would never have thought of looking at your fingernails.
1: You will notice that I study um, hands and skin on most of the patients that are referred to me. So I can pick up on any early diseases that may impact their lungs. But it's very important to look at fingers and nails, even if you're a pulmonologist. You know,
0: evidently (laughs) so. You know, I would think that maybe a a blue color because you're not getting enough oxygen uh, in your feet. That may be, is that a sign?
1: So absolutely. It's kind of a later sign. It's called cyanosis when you have bluing around the lips, the fingertips, or the toes. And this is something that sometimes patients will notice. It gets a little bit tricky. There is a condition called Raynaud's Phenomena in which you have a decrease of blood flow to your fingertips and toes. And in cold weather or cold water, they will change color to red, purple, or blue. But yes, there is something called cyanosis where you could have bluing around the lips, the fingertips fingernails, the nail bed, the toes, and that is a sign of low oxygen to those areas. And then one other sign that your physician or provider may pick up on is when they listen to your chest. They may say they hear something that sounds like crackles. And the way I describe that is when somebody breathes in, I hear what sounds like um, someone walking on dry leaves. Or sometimes if you, if you like cereal, snap, crackle, pop. That's the noise that we'll hear when we listen to your chest, and that is another sign of fibrosis.
0: Let's talk about the tests that your patients go through when they come see you.
1: So, absolutely. If if I suspect that somebody has pulmonary fibrosis, and again, it depends on the age of the patient, I said uh, history is important. If this person is a female, um, we know idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis is more prevalent in males. But if this person is a female, we say of childbearing age or a female who's in their 40s or younger and they have evidence of pulmonary fibrosis. I don't necessarily think they have IPF, so what I will do is order serologic testing looking for autoimmune diseases. So blood work, I'll order blood tests, pulmonary function testing, a high-resolution CT scan, of course, and the examination of the patient, mainly looking at their skin and listening to their lungs. Also looking at eyes, ears, and (laughs) oral mucosa, certain autoimmune diseases, something called Sjogren's causes dry eyes, dry mouth, and dry ears, so it's important. I would examine and look at pooling of saliva, and if it seems as though it's a reduced amount, that might point me towards that direction. If I'm meeting with a male smoker, 60s or older, and I'm suspecting that they might have idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, which is, of course, the most serious of fibrotic lung diseases, for that individual, absolutely complete pulmonary function testing to see if there's evidence that there's compromised lung function. So we. do a high-resolution CT scan we hope that the person can tolerate holding their breath because You get important pictures of the lung. When somebody holds their breath, you can look for air trapping and air that gets trapped in the lungs is usually an airways-based fibrosis and that can be caused by hypersensitivity, pneumonitis and not idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. And you would like that the patient can lay on their tummy when you're doing a CT scan because there's something called atelectasis, which is a collapse of air sacs that happens when we lay on our back and that can hide fibrosis from the CT scanner. And if someone can lay on their stomach, during the imaging, we get a better view of what the lungs are doing. And we know that idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis likes the periphery or back of the lung and bottom of the lung. So it's important that we get a great picture. And then of course, if we still don't have an answer after we've done blood tests, our examination, our high resolution CT scan, and our good history taking, we can send patients for a lung biopsy. And The lung biopsy is very important, and the person you send your patient to is usually a thoracic surgeon, and they need to be in communication with the lung doctor because there's certain areas of the lung that we need biopsied. Because if you biopsy a healthy part of a lung on a person with IPF, your biopsy comes back as completely normal lung tissue when you as the clinician or pulmonologist know that that's not the case. So there's a lot of communication that goes on with a lot of different subspecialists when you suspect that your patient has IPF.
0: What about treatments for pulmonary fibrosis? What What do you do to treat that?
1: So again, this would be a conversation between you and your pulmonologist, and the treatment depends on the type of pulmonary fibrosis that you have. So for the sake of this topic, let's talk about idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, which okay. of course I said has the worst prognosis.
0: But you say there's hundreds.
1: There, So there are hundreds of forms of pulmonary fibrosis, but there is only one IPF. Okay. And so for IPF, we're very fortunate that in 2014, two treatments for IPF were developed. There's no cure, but we have two treatments that were developed and made widely available in the United States in 2014. And so that's tremendous news because before then, we had 60 years of no treatment for this disease mm. that we knew about. And so one of the treatments is something called nintedanib, which is the generic name, but the other medication is called perfenidone, which is also a generic name. These two medications are available and can be prescribed by any clinician. I would say I'd recommend that they be prescribed by a pulmonologist because they Do need to be monitored. Their job is to slow or halt the progression of fibrosis. They can't unscar lungs that are already scarred, but their job is to prolong survival, decrease symptoms, decrease flares of the disease. But they must be taken correctly, and you need to be monitored while you're taking those medications. They do have side effects, and these are things that you would discuss with your pulmonologist if the risk and the side effects outweigh the benefits of the drugs themselves. Other treatment options really do include things that will help prevent more scarring. And that is routinely, we put patients on treatment for reflux, acid reflux disease, and lots of patients will say, well, I don't have reflux or I don't have heartburn. But there is something called silent micro aspiration where you don't necessarily feel the reflux or the burn. But we know that people with IPF have a higher incidence of acid going into the lung, and it will accelerate scarring and cause lungs to fail. So we do put patients on an acid medicine. And again, that's something that I recommend you discuss with your treating physician because a lot of times people are not, or what I find is that they're not taking their acid reflux medicines correctly. They're taking them with food or the timing's off and it's inactivating the medicine before it can do its job.
0: So it's, it's just a waste of time
1: then. Right. Okay. Uh, so essentially there's something called proton pump inhibitors. They're medicines that end in O-L-E and the medications actually need acid in which to be activated. And so people have been taking medicines for acid it reflux for 10-20 years but they've been taking it with breakfast or with dinner and oh, essentially wow. I have to instruct them when you take this medicine, take it first thing in the morning, don't drink coffee just water and let it sit in your, your stomach for about 30 minutes before you ingest anything else to give it time to be activated or else it really isn't doing its job.
0: That makes sense.
1: And then oxygen therapy is very important so your uh, pulmonologist will walk you in the office to determine if you require supplemental oxygen because idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis and other fibrotic lung diseases scar the lungs so much that they cannot, they can't process oxygen that you inhale from the atmosphere and get it to the tissues. So supplemental oxygen is frequently needed. And lastly, depending on your age and the degree of lung damage, you may be a candidate for a lung transplantation.
0: We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about tips for managing pulmonary fibrosis. We'll be right back on Health for Life.
2: If you're in need of medical care, don't delay. Your health won't wait. Hamilton Medical Center is ready to care for you. We are following CDC guidelines. Patients and guests are screened for COVID-19 symptoms. Those who are suspected to have the virus are treated in a separate area. Plus, Hamilton's high-powered UV light robots eliminate 99.9% of bacteria and viruses on surfaces. Please do not delay medical care. Your health won't wait. As always, Hamilton is here for you.
0: Welcome back to Health for Life, Dr. Brown. Thank you so much for coming in today to talk with us about pulmonary fibrosis. Now, some of our listeners have already been diagnosed with pulmonary fibrosis. What can they do to help manage this condition?
1: Number one recommendation is partner with your providers. Keep a nice, healthy weight. Be active, exercise, especially cardio, stationary bikes, taking walks with family and friends. Have a good support system. The disease itself can lead to depression, anxiety, so we, there are resources. I recommend that anyone who's diagnosed with pulmonary fibrosis does look on the Pulmonary Fibrosis Foundation website. They have group meetings for like-minded individuals. But just follow up with your doctors regularly. Your pulmonologist may want to see you four to six times a year try to make those appointments so you can keep a handle on your lung function.
0: Well now you mentioned uh, you mentioned depression. Does mental health play a role in this also?
1: Absolutely. So when it comes to patients who are diagnosed with this, for the most part, if it's IPF, we do have to tell them that there's about a three to five year life expectancy once they're diagnosed. So it can be very, um, it can cause a lot of depression situational for the family and the patient. We have to make sure that we're not just looking at the patient's physical well-being, but their mental well-being also.
0: When we come back, we're going to talk about your practice, Hamilton Physician Group Specialty Care on Health for Life.
2: Join us on a journey to better health. Health for Life. Simply put, that is why Hamilton Medical Center is here. From primary care and specialty care practices near you, an accredited chest pain center, a certified joint replacement program, a new children's institute, cancer institute, endoscopy center, and more. Hamilton is here for you and your family. Learn more at HamiltonHealth.com. Hamilton Health Care System. Health for Life.
0: Welcome back to Health for Life. Dr. Brown, can you tell us about Hamilton Physician Group Specialty Care?
1: Hamilton Group Specialty Care, uh, from my standpoint, I'm a pulmonologist. I treat any diseases really that impact the entire airway, which starts at your nose and goes down to the air sex called alveoli. COPD, typically smoking related, asthma, cystic fibrosis, which is a genetic disorder that individuals are born with um, that causes a, a buildup of excessive mucus in the lungs, but also a decrease in the ability to cough that up bronchiectasis, which is a disease of abnormally shaped airways, which typically is seen in older females have a predisposition for that. Um, Lung cancer, which is a cancer that developed in the lung as opposed to cancers that develop elsewhere and travel to the lung. Mm. So pulmonologists help with the diagnosis and treatment of diseases, including the idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis and ILD diseases that we talked about earlier, uh, tuberculosis and lung infections as well. And just more generic things such as just short of breath or Coffee that people may experience.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this great information. Uh, If you could leave our listeners with one word of advice, what would that be?
1: Please, please, please always go to your primary care provider if you're experiencing any new symptoms, and they will refer you to the needed subspecialist, which may be a pulmonologist.
0: Dr. Brown, it's great seeing you again. This is your third trip with us, I think. It is. Yeah, very good to see you. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. For more information or an appointment at Hamilton Physician Group Specialty Care, call 706-529-3072 or visit hamiltonhealth.com slash specialty care. This program in no way seeks to diagnose or treat illness or to replace professional medical care. Please see your health care provider if you have a health problem.
2: Join us on a journey to better health health for life. Simply put, that is why Hamilton Medical Center is here. From primary care and specialty care practices near you, an accredited chest pain center, a certified joint replacement program, a new children's institute, cancer institute, endoscopy center, and more. Hamilton is here for you and your family. Learn more at hamiltonhealth.com. Hamilton Health Care System, health for life.
0: Thank you for listening to Health for Life, a presentation of Hamilton Healthcare System.